Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another, or maybe the first, depending on when you're listening to this, edition of the Media Boat Podcast Wrap-Up 2021, a project that we do every year, which is to take the year that was and wrap it in a nice little tidy bow for you. We do this in two ways, one of which is to recap the year in news, all the things that we talked about during the podcast in the year and rank them, or not rank them, but like pick one that we think epitomizes the year in the subject we're talking about. Then the second half of the show, we take a little personal spin and tell you what our five favorite things were in that um, genre. Um, Each, and then at the end, try to narrow down just one that represents our favorite thing that year. Today, our goal is to talk about the year in video games. And man, what a year it has been. Oh, by the way, my name is Matt and his name is Mike. I'm Mike. <laughs> He's Matt. I always forget that you feel like you can't talk until you introduce I'm not you. talking until you introduce me. <laughs> well, now you've been introduced. Now that I've been introduced, yes, welcome to the end of the year yes. wrap-up list. Yes. Um, the topic we're going to be talking about today is... Video games. Video games. Video games. Yep. Like I said, what a year it's been in video games. It's been ups and downs. We've It's our first real year with a new generation of consoles, the PS5 and the Xbox Series X. Uh, well, you know, if you can get one. Um, and We were fortunate enough to get one of them. Yeah, yeah, so far. No luck on the other half, though I did actually. So Game Gamefly did have a similar bundle to the one that you bought for Xbox Series X. Yep. But it was the Halo Infinite one that I don't want because it looks all weird. Right. So I didn't buy it. I was like, if this was the regular one, I would have. But because it was Halo Infinite. I didn't want it to look all Halo. I all just right. want it to just be the black monolith. Right. And so I didn't pull the trigger on it. But maybe someday... The, the, the black mini-fridge. Yeah, exactly. Not to be confused with the actual mini-fridge that looks like the Series X. Yes. Which I also did not buy. But it's much, but, much but, cheaper. Yes, but it's also got <laughs> scalped up the water. Uh-huh. Anyway, that's one of the many things I'm sure we'll talk about this year in our recap. So let's get rolling right into it. Thank you for joining us. Let's start, as we always do, at the beginning of the year... Back in January 2021. And man, doesn't January feel like so long ago? Yeah, so let's take our time machine and go all the way back to January 2021. All right, so. All right, so we started the year of 2021 with Nintendo News. Yes, they bought a second party developer that they worked with before, Next Level Games, which of course is responsible for the Luigi's Mansion sequels, uh, two for the 3DS and three for the Switch. They said that uh, it would be they would become a wholly owned subsidiary, uh, pending of shareholder approval, which by now probably has been improved. Um, yeah, they've been uh, doing uh, work with Nintendo since 2002. Um, so yeah, it made sense. Made sense as a good purchase for them, and I'm sure it will lead to more titles in the future for them. Yep, and around that same time, we had confirmation of the rumors that Microsoft trying to buy Nintendo yes. back in 2000. Yeah, jeez. That was just a fun story. Like, here we are 20 years later, yeah. cats out of the bag. Sure, we tried to do that. It's such a fun story that recently in their 20 years of Xbox campaign, they had an interactive museum that you could walk around with your avatar in. And one of the things was, hey, this is when we tried to buy from Nintendo and they laughed us <laughs> off. So it's clearly a story that they're really, they're, they're really in love with. They just love telling that story now. It's funny. Yeah, it's funny. Um, we also had uh, some news about Lucas Games. 
um, getting into a new Star Wars <laughs> as well as a new Indiana Jones game. And it's really telling for how those projects are going that we have heard about neither since, especially the Indiana Jones game, which all we've gotten was that teaser trailer still to this day. So maybe we'll find out more next year? Yep. And then a game that came out. Yeah. Pokemon Snap. The new Pokemon Snap. Some people really enjoy this. Christy, I know a friend of the show, has really enjoyed her time with it. You played through all of it. Yep. and um, But it, but yeah, it didn't seem to make too much of a dent critically. I think people were like, yep, this is Pokemon Snap. Uh, people were very hyped on it coming out upon mm-hmm. its release. Yeah, I think it did what it needed to do. I think it was a Pokemon Snap that evolved the formula just a little bit for the new system, but stayed nostalgic mostly. Yep. And then what <laughs> I'm going to put as oh, our first competitor, yes. a competitor for video game news of the year. Yes. The GameStop stock price. Oh, yeah, GameStonks. GameStonks. So, yeah, everybody was a uh, armchair stock market expert uh, back in uh, January of this year. When the GameStop uh, sp- stock raid and the AMC stock raid started happening, uh, I guess you know enough people talk about something on Reddit and it spreads. Yeah, and... it was uh, everybody buy GameStop because mm-hmm. it's like cheap at like three dollars, yeah. five dollars, and inflate it and so then, the price goes up and make some money. Yep, you just hold on to it while yeah. people try and buy it. Yeah. Um, basically, too many shares were available in the market. Yeah. So when you buy the shares and you don't sell them, it forces other people who put. Or rather, not other people, but other yeah. brokerage brokerage firms right. and hedge funds who are looking to resell it but don't have it, paying more money on fees on top of it. Yeah, I mean, whereas not it's, to be fair, this is not exactly a video game story because this didn't involve anybody making or playing video games. No, but it involved GameStop. The fact that it involved GameStop, a company whose survivability is still amazing, that it still exists. <laughs> And that this didn't kill it is still amazing. <laughs> we kept t- thinking that this was going to be the final nail in the coffin. It wasn't. They still exist. Yeah. So we'll see how they go on in the future. As for things that don't exist anymore. Yes. As we get into February. Um, Google announced that it would shut down the internal Stadia uh, team. And yes, here at the Media Boat Podcast, we were not surprised. Stadia always seems to be a thing that barely exists. And uh, yeah, this just confirms that first-party development will stop in Google. Google is already ready to shut that down. And now, if they're going to make Stadia games, you have to make them yourselves with very limited help from Google. As you mentioned, when Stadia was announced, it's a nice concept, but But, people's bandwidth are always going to be a problem. Now we have Microsoft kind of as like a mirror image of this, getting super wide with their cloud initiative now available on consoles too, mm-hmm. that they've just blown out Stadia out of the water. It doesn't matter if you're in the Xbox uh, uh, in the ecosystem because they have you already with their cloud solution. Yep. And then also in February, we got the first official announcement that yes. E3 would be returning following the mm-hmm. pandemic year. Of course, with an all-digital presentation online, which uh, ended up happening, and it was all right. I think having a little bit more organization than last year did make it easier to track on the news when it was happening. But ether- but uh, the ESA is like idea of like, oh, it'll be this web hub that you'll be able to log in. None of that really mattered mm-hmm. because nobody did it. Yep. People watch the live stream just as they always do on YouTube. Uh, speaking of things that were watched and to take a note of, yes. EA will be bringing back college football yes. to video games. 
Dot, dot, dot. Eventually. Eventually. So, yeah, this is kind of a, a co-story with sports. A, uh, a wait and see. When we talk about it in television. But when... Uh, but for now, yes, it's a wait and see. EA seems to be interested in making college football games again, but it's all predicated on what the NCAA allows them to do, and we're still mm-hmm. waiting for the other shoe to drop there. Right, especially with the uh, name, image, and likeness right. um, of the players themselves. Clear, clarity yeah. comes for uh, college football. Yeah. yeah. And then we had, I'm going to talk about this here, <laughs> Kingdom Hearts uh-huh. 20th yes. anniversary yes. announcement. With Kingdom Hearts coming to PC via Epic Games for the first time. Yeah, kind of a coup when it was announced because I think a lot of people were disappointed it was not on Steam. And also a little bit disappointed in the price, which they were all listed at full price initially. Um, So yeah, I mean, uh, I guess it was good that these games came out on PC. The mod scene really loved it. (laughs) Yeah, mod scene loved it. Um, Eventually, Kingdom Hearts... Um, would come out to the Switch as well. Yeah. And thus completing that you can get yes. Kingdom Hearts everywhere. anywhere. Uh, the Switch versions, I believe, are still cloud streaming yep, versions. Yep, they are cloud so. versions. Ugh, <laughs> ouch. Yep. Uh, let's see, what else did happen in February? Uh, GameStop CFO base. Yeah, a lot of sh- corporate shakeups that kind of follow the stock thing. Yep. Oh, and uh, breaking news <laughs> that we had while we were recording. Yeah. EA decided to cancel the planned relaunch of Anthem next. Yeah, so Anthem, their attempt at making a live game, a, like sort of like a um, a Destiny, ended up kind of f- failing at launch, and there had been rumblings ever since its uh, original launch that they would try to relaunch it with um, basically a reformulated version of the game. Well, that ended in February. It seems like EA has no plans to resurrect that game. Mm-hmm. Which brings into March, yeah. and the first of many Pokemon Directs, yes. including um, the reveal, the new trailer for Pokemon yes. Snap, the reveal of Pokemon Diamond Brilliant and Shining Pearl, yeah. as well as Pokemon Legends Arceus. Yeah, this was the probably the biggest Pokemon Direct of the year. This was the biggest like um, uh, like fan like thing because the fans were of course freaking out when they saw that footage of Arceus for the first time. Mm-hmm. That game comes out early next year, so we'll be able to finally get our hands on it soon. Yeah. Uh, but for now, it just it's it, it been interesting to see people kind of try to figure out what that thing is. Is it just Monster Hunter meets Pokemon? Probably, probably. <laughs> so, I mean, we'll see. Pokemonster Hunter, Pokemonster Hunter, exactly. I mean, Pocket Monster Hunter. Yeah, Pocket Monster Hunter. Yeah, remember I had the line for you. Yep. Um, but around the same time, there's also the rumblings and rumors of a new Switch, which would later be confirmed to be the OLED version. Yeah, so this was, this also, I feel like, is maybe something we could talk about for Story of the Year. Mm -hmm. The will they or won't they with Nintendo and a 4K Switch. Right. Ultimately, it ended up being a won't because they more or less threw that out the wall, out the door when they announced the OLED Switch, which really is just a new screen and an old hardware. So until maybe we hear more next year, it looks like a 4K Switch is still a pipe dream. Yeah. And I'll put this up for video game story of the year. Because Potentially, it's, yeah. it's big enough to where it made rumblings oh, yeah. throughout. This that changed a lot. It changed things. a lot of people's perspectives as well as made force PlayStation to, I think, not even only open up PlayStation mm-hmm. Studios, but force them to acquire more studios <laughs> for first party. Yeah. And that's because Beth- Microsoft and Bethesda, yeah, or rather ZeniMax, yeah, 
sign a $7.5 billion exclusivity deal. So yeah, this makes uh, Bethesda and all the game studios link to them, uh, including like studios like Arcane mm-hmm. and uh, Bethesda Softworks, the Fallout and Elder Scrolls people, under the Microsoft umbrella officially. Um, so yeah, this um, kind of started a conversation, one, about larger conversation about this being the time for studios to buy smaller studios, that this being a lucrative time where they're worth more than they will be in the future, but also a conversation about, well, does this mean that Bethesda games going forward will be uh, Microsoft exclusives? That ended up kind of being a back and forth for a few months until finally we realized that besides the ones that were existed have existing contracts like Deathloop for PS5, yeah. um, that and Psychonauts 2, well, well, that's a different studio, sorry. Uh, but yeah, it means that things that already were going to come out will come out. But in the future, it seems like Microsoft is saying that that stuff will be exclusive to Microsoft platforms. Mm-hmm. So we'll see uh, if that remains the case moving forward. Yep. And then, um, not to be outdone, Sony <laughs> made itself a big splash announcement oh, yeah. that it would shut down the PS3 and PS Via digital stores on their own platforms. So they ended up stepping... Only to reverse yeah. said decision. There were some of these, but not all of this. Uh, they basically gave they turned back the PS3 and Vita, but the PSP stores were shut down, and mm-hmm. there was no way to get PSP games anymore. On digital services. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I think the Sony uh, fans were very upset initially, and they had to roll it back at some point to make them happy again. Yep. Um, and then, in a quick kind of, I want to say public apology, <laughs> CD Projekt Red yeah. and its kind of lackluster performance from last from previous year, Cyberpunk 2077's launch, yeah. and then... Subsequent trying to fix all the patches and bugs, <laughs> yeah, yeah, was a continuing story to which eventually, I guess, as of now, people don't care about that game. No, it kind of came and went, and part of that is because of the negative press it got upon its release. To this day, I believe it's still not perfect. I think that people who are playing it now at least say that it's relatively bug free compared to its original version. But as much as they can try, it's very, very hard to uh, make people rethink of that game in a way where they're approaching it fresh. Mm-hmm. So it'll be a while, I think, before people look back positively on Cyberpunk. Yep. And then we get into April and all <laughs> the E3 news. Yes, this was E3. Or, or at least... Or pre-E3. Pre-E3. June, I think, is when you get the, the actual E3 stories. Yes, but in April, <laughs> this as, as with baseball coming up, yes. there was a crossover of sorts uh-huh. so we had known the previous year that the league was basically forcing uh sony uh, santa monica league, basically yeah major league baseball to release to, to forcing uh sony santa monica to consider at least putting um mlb the show their story playstation exclusive baseball franchise on other platforms besides playstation well, it happened, and not only did it happen, it happened in spectacular fashion as Microsoft somehow pulled off a coup to make it on Game Pass. So that meant that as on day one, the day the game came out, you could play MLB The Show 21 on your Xbox or your PC. So this was a big deal. Uh, or not on your PC, I believe it was just a console. Xbox uh, subscription. This was a big deal because a lot of Sony people thought this was heresy at first. Uh, we think as the year has gone on, I mean, less people are talking about the show, and it didn't end up making that big of an impact. But I think going forward, it'll be interesting for the show as a franchise, now being a multi-platform entity, 
And also, it was very funny for a while seeing that Sony PlayStation Studios logo at the beginning of an Xbox game. Yep. <laughs> you fire up your Xbox, and then PlayStation comes yeah. on. Like, oh, ah, what did I do? I do. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, other reports coming out, mm-hmm. including Outriders. Uh, speaking of, yeah, remember Outriders? They came out this year. Yeah, I was hyped <laughs> for that game. It was all right. Well. It was okay. That game was fine. I played a bad version of it, but it was okay. Yep. And then uh, Microsoft confirming that it's free-to-play games will still be playable without yes. gold. That was a big change. Previously, even free-to-play games like Fortnite, you had to be gold subscriber to play. They rolled that back finally this year. Yep. And Microsoft also launched Xbox yes. Cloud Gaming for PC and iOS users. Yeah, and I've uh, tried that and uh, since then, and it works okay. works all right. Yep. Um, there's the Sony PS3 reversal. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Um, this story is interesting, especially with the context of what happened after this. Yes. S- yeah. So, so. Um, story that we talked that was literally in our bits <laughs> that we probably didn't um, didn't even think much, think about, much about. Yeah. It, was Jeff Kaplan yeah. leaving Blizzard um, after leading the Overwatch team since its launch? So yeah, this was this one, like you said, it was kind of buried uh, because it was like, okay, a guy who's been at Activision for, or sorry, for Blizzard for a long time, who was the head Overwatch guy, he's leaving. I guess it was his time. Then of course, right? Like, we're thinking like, oh, he's yeah. leaving. They bring someone in new for Overwatch Two. Whenever S- that eventually comes out. But as the year went on, we found out the real story behind this was that a lot of people were choosing that time to leave because a shitstorm was about to hit. So is this <laughs> potential story of the year here? I think this will, yes, we'll get there to the big meat of this. But I think, yes, I think that this is the start of what I think might be the story of the year. But we'll get there. Yep. Um, Let's see here. We also, uh, nothing else really happened in April there. As we get into May. Yeah. And the Apple versus Epic. This was actually potentially. Well, it was our game of the story story last last year. year. Or at least maybe we talked about it. But uh, but yeah, this uh, kind of served the rest of its time and kind of wrapped up in a weird way this year. Um, the long story short is that, yeah, Apple uh, and Epic finally went to court in this calendar year. Um, we had a lot of fun court stories coming out of the, uh, the trial, including um, maybe the definition of video games being hard to pinpoint. Uh, the definition of exactly what made Fortnite unique in that space, the uh, court was having a hard time kind of narrowing it down. And thus, at the very end, it reali- they uh, basically called it for um, for for uh, for uh, an Apple's so favor. Apple won yeah. most of the cases except for one, yeah. which was allowing other third-party platform stores to be available on iOS devices. Right, yeah. And I want to say that was the major victory for yes. Epic. Everything else got shut down. Yeah, everything else it seemed like there just wasn't enough specificity in any of the claims that they mm-hmm. couldn't they couldn't get there. But it was fun for a few week, uh, for a few months there to see the back and forth go as they were trying to figure out all these things that your normal ass person does not have any idea about. Right, especially <laughs> when a lawyer presented Tim Sweeney with uh, the switch. <laughs> yeah. And he couldn't put it together. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't figure out what a switch was, and and stuff like how like GeForce Now got into that, and uh, it was just and it was just entertaining as somebody who's in this stuff and knows all this stuff yep. to watch people like this judge who didn't know what was the what any of this was to figure it out. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and then we also have um, other news coming out, like Sony and Discord yes. striking a deal to allow yeah. to partnering up for the PlayStation Network. We still haven't quite seen uh, the, the fruit seen. from that. I will bet that that is next year. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we'll have to see what they do with that Discord stuff. Um, I expect that to either be a March state of play, maybe, or E3. This is what the PS5 can do now. I don't know. They dropped the Apple Music support out of nowhere, so right. it could be something like that too. Or just like, I don't know, randomly, here you go. Here's Discord on PS5. Yep. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, let's see here. Uh, we also had news about gaming websites. Yes. Uh, about Palestines who were suffering. Yeah. Attacks and human rights violations. So we'll probably talk more about this into our in our fifth wrap-up show where we talk about the world as, as larger. That's usually when we get into po- uh, politics, politics a little bit more. Yeah. But this was a rare crossover here where we had a story about... Websites, uh, video game websites that were just genuinely trying to, to tell their uh, tell their story about the um, the specific uh, Palestinian uh, genocide that was happening earlier in the year and continues to happen in certain smaller ways um, in Israel slash Palestine. And yeah, um, it, they wanted to make a statement about it. Their parent company rolled it back and deleted the story, and they were pissed about it. Ultimately, there was a reposting of that story. They eventually got what they wanted. But it was an interesting way of like video game websites actually trying to take a stand and say what they believed about something. Mm-hmm. And speaking of taking a stand on <laughs> what d- you in believe. In a different way. In a different way. Uh, expression of free speech on the internet was up for debate. Especially on Twitch. Yeah. Where people were doing hot tub streams. So this of course led to a new category being added to Switch called Pools, Hot Tubs, and Beaches. Specifically built for people to wear swimwear. But it brought up a good question, is if advertisers are calling the shots here for what content does well, then really are the video, like, are the people who are creating the Twitch content, like, calling the shots? No. So it's an interesting conversation that keeps going about Twitch's relationship with its marketing side and its scammer side and trying to fig- figure out where these eyeballs are going. Right. I mean, last, you know, last year or two years ago, we talked a lot about the DMCA and music mm-hmm. rights. Yeah, and you which can't play music. continuing to be a problem. Yep. Uh, and then we get into June. Summer is here. Yep, where Nintendo won the piracy lawsuit yes. against ROM Universe. And it's established a precedent. This, because of how expensive this was, $2.1 million in damages. After this, you see kind of a slow domino fall of other, uh, other famous ROM websites kind of also going by the wayside. Some have chosen to uh, shut down by their own volition. Uh, recently, I think one of the more famous ones, I forget its name, shut down like two weeks ago. Because, yeah, Nintendo has proven that they're going to throw their weight around when it comes to uh, what they call illegal emu- emulation of their games. Mm-hmm. So, yep. um, And then we also had news of Playdate with the Crank um, console. Yeah. Still not out. Still not out. Still not out, but uh, people who are a fan are excited to see those things ship early next year, it sounds. And because we're in June, thus E3 Here we happens. go. The big E3 stories. All right. So the big ones, uh, let's just break it down by Nintendo, uh, by company here. So Nintendo's big stuff was really just like sequels to existing things we knew about or surprise uh, announcements like Metroid Dread and uh, Warrior Get It Together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mostly wasn't too out of the, like, out of nowhere. They only 
teased new footage of Breath of the Wild 2, a game that's still not coming out the calendar year this year. Right, and they did announce uh, Mario Party Superstars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was rumored and then officially confirmed. A little bit of a greatest hits of Mario Party uh, that uh, people seem to enjoy. Yep. Um, then we get into Square Enix, where the Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy game was announced. And right. we'll talk about that later. Yeah, as well as some smaller things like... Um, that uh, First Soldier uh, Battle Royale game that you played, Final Fantasy VII Universe. Yep. Uh, the Nier um, mobile game as yep. well, which I ended up yep. playing as well. Yeah, so, you know. And that on those uh, Final Fantasy Pixel remasters that immediately came and went because everybody was angry about the font. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> among other things. Among other things. And among other things, yes. Microsoft slash Bethesda now. Yeah. At their press conference. A lot of footage of stuff that we hadn't seen in a while, like the sequel to Stalker. Uh, Back for Blood, which came out to uh, some people's, uh, some people really enjoyed that uh, as a nice uh, Left for Dead throwback. Um, and Psychonauts 2 being a game, one day Game Pass game, as well as the Forgotten 12 Minutes, which really came and went. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, just. 12 to, Minutes is like game, the game nominated for like. Yeah, but it seemed like critically it was not loved. Yeah. And the people really did not enjoy that. But uh, most of all, there wasn't, like, any, like, I'm looking here, and there wasn't any, like, huge thing besides more footage of Halo Infinite, which, as we mentioned, comes out this week as we're recording it, so, as we're recording this show. But, uh, yeah, solid, a lot of footage of things uh, that we already knew about. Not a whole lot of surprises. Yeah, but it did um, kind of, uh, there's a weird theme of circle games with <laughs> 12 minutes, with yeah. Returnal, with Deathloop, this E3. 2021 was, yeah, like a, like Groundhog's Day. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Even to an extent, um, Metroid Dread. Eh, less so. Less so. Banging yeah. your head against the same boss over and over again. <laughs> um, oh, and uh, Hades came to um, Game Xbox Pass. Yeah, well. that was very Game nice Pass. for people who didn't play it last year. Yep. Uh, and then we had Ubisoft. Yeah. And mm-hmm. their... Um, Far Cry 6, Far Cry 6 trailer. Yeah. Uh, they're bringing back Rocksmith as a subscription service, which seems an, like an interesting concept. And they're going to remaster Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon, I guess, if you want that. Oh, yeah, and this is where Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope, the sequel to Mario and Rabbids for the Switch, came out. Oh, yeah, and they showed off early footage of an Avatar game that uh, that they will still... Who knows when that's going to be released. They want, they want to announce, but don't know when. Yeah. Yep. Um... Yeah, Summer Games Summer Fest, Games which Fest. was the Jeff Keighley uh, presented thing. It had a handful of announcements. Uh, this is where we shot, saw more of Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, which I know you're excited for. Yep, that's next year. Um, but other than that, not a whole lot of stuff there. Yeah, looking through it, not seeing a whole lot. Um, Warner. Yeah, they had a big story about when they were uh, selling one of their mobile divisions. Um, and sold it to EA, who was, I guess, trying to get into that space. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the the people who <laughs> are Playdemic, the developer yes. behind Golf, Golf Clash, Clash um, sold to EA for $1.4 billion yeah. in an acquisition, uh, as well as PlayStation, three of acquisitions, PlayStation acquiring House Mark. Yes, they would be uh, the Returnal people. Yep, uh, uh, they call them House Marquee. <laughs> um, yep, yeah, not a whole. I mean, outside of E3, which was just the that was a big news, part of June. Yeah, part of it. yeah. And then we get to July, 
with an Assassin's Creed story. Yeah, this also has yet to come to fruition, but they seem like reports came out about a full shift to the next game being a live service game, also a la Destiny. Mm -hmm. So some sort of Assassin's Creed Infinity might be in the works where it will be a a more multiplayer kind of live game kind of thing as opposed to a single-player linear uh, kind of game that it's been in the past. To which you hear boos and cries around the world. Yeah, a lot of people, the diehard Assassin's Creed fans are not happy Yep. Uh, and then also in July, Nintendo officially announced the OLED model. Yep, of the Switch, which you can still uh, get uh, now. Yep. We also had the first showing of Nickelodeon Brawl Stars. Yeah, or All-Star Brawl, Brawl, which we didn't know at the time was going to start a trend of companies trying to get into the Smash Brother-like zone, yep. as we just saw um, Warner Brothers Multiverses revealed a couple weeks ago. Yep. And, uh, as we always track, Summer Games Done Quick pulling yes. in $2.9 million for Doctors Woo. Without Borders. Go Speedrunners! Yeah, yeah, good year for that. And here's the meat of that story you were mentioning about yes. Activision and Blizzard. Alright, so here, basically, in a, in a nutshell here, um, the first thing that happened was the state of California um, had an injunction um, for basically... Alleged mistreatment of female staff members and minority staff members in Activision, including their uh, offices in the Blizzard, in, in their Blizzard subsidiary. Um, and it started a rumblings about more and more as things started getting discovered about people telling more stories about their experiences at Activision Blizzard. And this runs the gamut from alleged sexual assault to um, unequal pay. Going up even to the top of the company, one of the things that would happen later as the story kind of got revealed is that Jen O'Neill, one of the people that um, was selected to be a co-leader co of the company, co-president, ended up leaving just a few months after this, after she had joined, because of a pay dispute, saying that even at the top, she was getting paid less than the person that was, she was paired with. So this uh, started uh, getting people, to, uh, the employees, to take uh, matters into their own hands, doing walkouts in front of their company's yeah. uh, offices, Doing um, uh, a lot of people left for uh, left the company after this, including people in leadership positions, whether because of these allegations or because they didn't want to be part of the company anymore. And it sent like shockwaves through the industry, and and they're not stopping yet. As recent as the last podcast we did, where we talked about how these stories have gone all the way to the top to Activision CEO Bobby Kotick, who is now being. Uh, like lumped into these by saying he's also responsible for some uh, alleged assault. And now you have a lot of industry um, uh, companies asking for his uh, him to leave the company. So yeah, it's escalated very high. Activision Blizzard have never looked worse. Mm -hmm. This continues Blizzard's slide, which is one of the things we talked about last year, as just fan support just has disappeared for them. Uh, it led to them canceling this year's BlizzCon. Mm -hmm. It led to delays of several of their upcoming games, including Overwatch 2 um, and their Diablo and the next Diablo game, Diablo 4. So yeah, right now it's it just they're just emblematic of a big industry-wide problem, which is treatment of women and minorities in this space. And until we see actual change, which yes, means Bobby Kotick resigning. <laughs> Until this stuff happens, it's not going to change. And we just have this huge blemish on the industry. It's I think this has to be story of the year. Because when you get to a point where Nintendo, Microsoft, and Sony 
all have their top people making statements about it and their re- and having to revise and consider their relationship with Activision, who used to be an extremely important and powerful third-party publisher. That means that we've gone to, like, critical, critical story. You've crossed that line. You've crossed that line. Like, Sony's Jim Ryan said that they would think about it. Uh, Phil, Phil Spencer at Microsoft said that he would reconsider their relationship. And in an, in an official source, not a confirmed source, but a pretty official source, uh, Nintendo's Doug Bowser even said something about it. And that's when you know you've crossed a line here. But we're still in August. Yeah, somehow. Somehow, this is still in August. But I think this, this for me, this is the one because it's just it means so much and it represents so much of the industry and what we need to, what they need to work on. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's Activision. Yeah. Activision's been around for yeah since decades. The Atari, like they, they, they started at the beginning of console video gaming. Yep. All right. Uh, so we'll. I mean, that's. Currently ranked high on our end of the oh, year yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, story of the year here. But we still have other news to get to because it didn't just stop there. Yeah, no. Including uh, Steve Gaynor, one of the co-founder of God Home Developer Fulbright. Yes. Stepping back from his role as a creative lead. Yeah, it seemed like this was less about actual, like, the, no one is alleging assault here. No one is alleging any sort of mistreatment. But it does seem like there was just an overall tone that he would use, sometimes use with women. And just like an overall vibe that it was not super comfortable for women to work at the company. And so becoming aware of this, he decided himself on his own volition to step down from his position at the company. Right. I mean, this was also following um, 15 people who had departed, 10 of them being women. So, yeah, clearly it was not a place that the women uh, felt comfortable working at. Uh, And then we had the first rumblings (laughs) of Grand Theft Auto, not six, this is... Like yeah. not in the future here, uh, but a Grand Theft Auto remake. Yes, or Re- not remake, re- remaster, remaster, sort of <laughs> rebrand, remaster, yeah. re-edition, re-release of GTA Three by City and San Andreas. And of course, since then, this has come out and it's been completely on fire. <laughs> and uh, they immediately had to try to patch it and roll back some of the plans that they had for it because of how much of a disaster, a buggy disaster, ended up being on launch. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Then we had Gamescom. Yeah, Gamescom. Um, which um, showcases the new Marvel Midnight Suns yeah. being announced after it was announced. rumored. Uh, a new Halo Infinite trailer. This is when we got the Saints Row reboot news, which has since been delayed to August of next year. Yep. Um, as well as Borderlands Cosmetics coming to Sea of Thieves. Yeah, so some crossover business there. This was also when we finally got the Horizon Forbidden West release date, which has also been delayed. Yep. As well as the <laughs> new release date for the Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker <laughs> Saga. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, it was an okay Gamescom. I mean, it's always kind of like the little brother to E3, the European E3, if you will. Mm-hmm. So nothing super surprising coming from there either. No, but as you said, like this Gamescom is kind of like the addendum to everything yeah. they announced at E3. You see a lot more Eurocentric stuff uh, get announced there. Yeah. Uh, and then we get into September where we have the announcement of a Life is Strange TV series in the works. Yeah, that could be interesting. It looks yeah. like Sean Mendez is overseeing this show's music there. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll have to see what happens with that. Yep. Uh, and then um, uh, Paul, I'm going to forecast here, 
Game of the Year <laughs> next year. Maybe. Maybe, if it ever comes out. Right. Horizon Forbidden West announcing that it's getting a few additions for pre-orders, including the digital deluxe version. Yeah. And a Steelbook edition. And a collector's edition. Mm-hmm. And... You know, the original digital edition, if you just want the digital version. But, of course, this was controversial when it came out, because when they announced it, uh, there was no solution for um, easy console upgrade for the PS4 version to the PS5 version. So, the fans complained, and just like Sony did earlier in the year, they reversed their decision, ended up offering a $10 upgrade uh, going forward for uh, for Sony's first-party releases for if you buy the PS4 games. Um, so for any first party, it'll be a free upgrade. Yeah. Additionally, though, future games... Will have $10. Will have $10. So, yeah. It's, you know, it's them basically saying, like, we're going to make you pay that $60 or $70 no matter what. Yeah. That it's Next-gen tax. We're in a gen... We're in the middle <laughs> of a still mid-generation that people can't get their hands on yeah. a PS5. So it's instead just, yeah. keep trying to get people to buy a PS4 disc and put it in your PS5 system, yeah. this is their way of <laughs> solution. It should it. be easier, but they're yeah. making it more difficult just because they can. Yep. But it's something that has been difficult, but no longer. Eh, well, well still apparently still, has the same problem. But, you know, after months of strong words, yes. Twitch... And the National Music Publishers Association had announced an agreement to work together to, quote, build productive <laughs> partnerships between the well, service and music publishers. About that, nothing has come out of that uh, discussions because we're st- you're still seeing Twitch users getting takedown notices from the um, Recording Academy and the RIAA. And d- basically, anybody who owns song rights are really cracking down on Twitch streaming. This is something that's been kind of been a problem with Twitch this year. Um, and it still doesn't look like it's been resolved. You have a lot of company uh, companies now making their games with options in the sound options to remove licensed music so that way your videos don't get taken down from Twitch or YouTube. Yep. But it's looking it's, at you, Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah, so it's slow, but maybe someday we'll get some sort of agreement there. Mm-hmm. And then we had a fall um, version of the PlayStation Showcase. Yeah. Where we saw um, Uncharted 4 and Lost Legacy coming to PC and PS5, as well as the announcement of an upcoming Wolverine game. Yeah. A Spider Man 2 video game. Yeah. Uh, Grand Turismo 7 trailer. And they capped it off with God of War Ragnarok, yes. officially announced. Yeah, officially announced. So mostly stuff we knew about except for the Wolverine game, which I think a lot of people were very mm-hmm. excited for. But overall, an okay PlayStation showcase. Yeah, but, but we still haven't seen actual yeah. footage. So. But the same week. But the same week, we got news of... Nintendo. A, a Nintendo... Um, I lost my train of thought here. Well, Nintendo Direct as well. Nintendo Direct happened the same week. Yep. Uh, Where we got news of a a Kirby Kirby 3D open world game. Yes. For coming next year called Kirby and the Forgotten Land. And I am jazzed for this thing. This looks beautiful. I'm excited to see Kirby in a 3D world. Um, So, yeah, I'm very excited for this. Yep, because it's uh, 1996 again and Mario 64 is out. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Kirby! It's different. But it's Kirby. Uh, oh, and then because Nintendo being Nintendo wanted to do Nintendo things, 
uh, announced that the Switch, the Nintendo Switch Online, <laughs> will be getting a higher price tier, oh boy. which would give you access to the uh, Nintendo 64 and Sega Genesis games. Again, another example of people were excited when they announced this, and then it came out, and then people were immediately disappointed with what was on offer. Mm-hmm. Of course, this had, had it hand in hand with the announcement of the new Animal Crossing New Horizons DLC that added to everyone's favorite 2020 Switch game. Um, and it seems like people are at least enjoying that part of this deal. Uh, of course, there was also a conversation about that Switch Online higher priced tier and how expensive it ended up being. A lot of people didn't think $60 was worth the price that uh, you got just for the handful of N64 and Genesis games that were part of this. They are planning on releasing more N64 games uh, soon. In fact, Paper Mario will be coming next month. So uh, the original N64 Paper Mario. So yeah, if you're interested in that, I guess this is a solution for you. But it seems like there might be better and less buggy ways to play N64 games besides this Switch version. Yep. Uh, They also announced uh, new content for, like you said, Animal Crossing with the coming of Brewster's Cafe. New content for Mario Golf Super Rush, as well as new footage of Splatoon 3. Yes. But, but in rank for funniest story of the year. Uh, for crossover story of the year? <laughs> um, when video games crossover with movies. Yeah. The Illumination um, film, Super Mario movie, yeah. got an official release date of December 21st. Next, Next year. year. But they also revealed a <laughs> cast, which include uh, Crisp Rat. <laughs> the crispiest rat you've ever saw. Yes, Crisp Pratt. Crisp Rat. As Mario. Anya Taylor Joy as Peach. <laughs> Charlie Day as Luigi. <laughs> Jack Black as Bowser. Uh-huh. Keegan Michael Key yeah. as Toad. Yeah. And Seth Rogen <laughs> as Donkey Kong. Yeah, it was the stupidest thing. Everybody reacted to it badly. It started an avalanche of Chris Pratt Chris is in everything, <laughs> including now he's Garfield all yeah, of a sudden. Yeah, now he's Garfield it just, yeah, it's just, it's just disaster in all ways. And now, and also since then, we've had a debate about will or will not, like, will he uh, do a Italian accent in the role of Mario? And apparently they say, no, he's not going to, which is like, then what's left of Mario? <laughs> that is Mario. He says Mamma Mia all the time. Uh, it's a me. They're going to have him like start off with no mustache, so it's not even Mario. <laughs> it's like, no, it's not even Mario. He becomes Mario. He becomes That's Mario. the arc. That's the story arc. This is the origin story of Mario. Yeah, of how he uh, gets his uh, coveted overalls and yeah. M hat. Yeah, it's gonna, they're going to solo it. <laughs> and you'll be like, oh, that's why he wears that iconic M hat. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's stupid. Uh, it's stupid. This also either continued or started the avalanche of Chris Pratt <laughs> um, hate on the internet. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been time. It, it's um, time. It's, it's following. <laughs> All right, and then we get to October. Yes, where the creme de la creme. Yes, came to a crescendo. You were the other shoe dropped, and the hap- you had the happiest day of the year. Yes. Super Smash Brothers Ultimate uh-huh. roster became complete. Yes, with none other than the most requested character in the series history. Yes, um, back in was it 2015? Yeah, they they pulled out a a contest. Yeah, a poll. A poll. 
um, of which character, regardless of genre, regardless of game, regardless of system, what character do you most want to see in Super Smash Brothers? Overwhelmingly, well, when they announced the results, the, the was number two go-getter was Bayonetta, which they were able to get into the game. Yeah. But, overwhelmingly, resoundingly, the number one go-getter, go-getter, go-getter. boat-getter, was yeah. the goat-getter, <laughs> <laughs> Sora from yes. Kingdom Hearts. Who is, of course, near and dear to your heart. Yes. Threw it in there. Threw it in there. Um, so, literally five years past that vote, <laughs> and the final character revealed for Smash, Sora from Kingdom Hearts rounds <laughs> out <laughs> Smash Brothers Ultimate roster. And yeah, you said, and since then you've played a little bit of him, and he, it seems like he's a good addition to the roster. Yes. Um, granted, when he came out, more people were complaining that it's just another yeah. sword character. Yeah. But... It's not not that. It's not not that. He has <laughs> that ability too. <laughs> he has a lot of floaty physics to him. <laughs> and he plays well. People were excited and hyped about Sora coming to Smash. Yeah. People play and main Sora now. Yeah. It was the actual full showcase of it was not just an ode to Smash Brothers Ultimate. Yeah. But also to the Smash Brothers community who Yeah. Overwhelmingly, every time a Smash Brothers announcement came out, Sora was training, yeah. trying to get him into Smash Brothers. And it finally happened. Um, and it finally happened. little last update to this little thing, though, is that this week, the final balance patch uh, is available for download for Ultimate, which will supposedly make sure everybody's balanced to Sora. Uh, and it will likely be the last time that such a patch happens. Yep, as um, the... So, company Sora yes. announced. Yes, this is it. This is it. This uh, is it. Um, this is the finale of it. It's the ultimate of Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. So it's done. Yep. But yeah, it'll always be there in your Switch, ready for you to play it. Definitely not um, story of the year, but interesting kind of culmination. Culmination of, it, yeah. of the year, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we had a yeah. going back to the. The well that is Twitch. Man, Twitch had a year, didn't they? The, the, the goose that keeps on giving. Yeah. Uh, Twitch had a massive 125 gigabit Oof. torrent link. Yeah. Leak. Leak. A link and a leak. Oh, that yeah. link was a leak. The link was a leak. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of 4chaners apparently grabbed the entirety of Twitch, uh, posted on a line. It revealed a bunch of shit that apparently Twitch was not ready to reveal, including Amazon, their parent company, to potentially developing a Steam competitor called Vapor. Um, they became quickly aware of the leak. They started to uh, basically let users know to reset their Steam stream keys. Um, but it looked like... Um, and it also revealed how much users have been paid, um, including the biggest money makers on, on Twitch. But only 81 streamers out of the thousands upon thousands of people streaming on Twitch have been paid more than $1 million. So it ends up not being the moneymaker that people were maybe making it out to be. No, but I mean, once you had Mixer not as a competition yeah. anymore, so where are they going to go to? YouTube. YouTube, yeah. <laughs> it's either YouTube or Twitch at this point. Yep. But yeah, it was an interesting peek behind the curtain, of course, an illegal one. Um, but yeah, so, since then, Twitch has cleaned it up a little bit. And um, hopefully, yeah, this won't happen to them again. But it was definitely an interesting kind of look. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and then 
Yeah, this has got to be our story of the year. It just keeps <laughs> popping up. Little <laughs> stories here it, and there. It really did. It kept um, coming. Activision Blizzard claiming they fired 20 employees following yeah. the sexual harassment program. It was basically them trying to prove that they had done something in the wake of the allegations. Uh, trying to say that they're, no, we can handle this cleanup ourselves. Because that was always their story after this, uh, after that came out, is that they wanted to do it internally without getting other co- outside companies involved. And so they're trying, and it still continues, but yeah, that's not going to be enough, I think, ultimately, when the entire company culture arguably needs to change. Yep. Um, also, in October, PS5 officially ended the Nintendo Switch's 33-month reign as the best-selling U.S. console, as people were finally able to get a hold of it. Yeah, it just goes to show you that even though you can't easily buy one in stores, the ones that they are uh, allowing for sale are selling through immediately. Mm-hmm. And yes, of course, I realize that most, a lot of them are from bots, and a lot of those were scalpers. And this doesn't necessarily mean that video game players are getting PS5s. But it means that they just can't make enough of these guys for the demand. Yep. Um, we also had, I mean, I was in Target the other day, and yeah. literally zero video, con- video game consoles available. Mm-hmm. Right, it is the holiday season. Yeah, nothing. But nothing. You can't go into a store and buy it. It's got to be done online. It's an interesting market, too. If you're planning on selling an old console, this might be the time to do it. Yep. I'm sitting on a, um, an, a PS4 Pro, and I don't know what to do with it. Same, I'm on a PS4. <laughs> like, yeah. It's literally right behind us right so, now. Like, we could probably make some money if we wanted to sell those guys. But we'll see. But yeah, so... Um, it will remain an issue. It will remain a challenge to get those consoles, but uh, at least for the time being. Also, quick bits from um, Sony as well. They announced PlayStation PC, an unofficial announcement for that was their PC port game. Yeah, branding for the studio that would be cl- uh, um, called the publisher for those. Mm-hmm. It basically is a way for them, like, if they release something on PC or a mobile platform or on Xbox, they have now a different corporate umbrella to put that under. Yep. Um, oh, and then finally, Apple Music on the PS5. Yeah, like I mentioned briefly earlier. Yep. I've yeah, used it since then. It's fine. It works like Spotify. It works like Spotify. So you can play it while you're playing something else, which is nice. Yep. Um, oh, and then we have the release of the actual Switch Online for N64 games. Yeah. To which people were complaining about the choppy frame rates <laughs> and you can't remap your controls. Yeah, not a great launch for that thing, but hopefully they'll be working on it and mm-hmm. patching as it going forward. And speaking of patches, Returnal finally got a mid-game save update. Yeah, everybody get the, the one thing people wanted from Returnal, they got. Mm-hmm. I already mentioned the Jen O'Neill story about her leaving uh, Blizzard after basically saying she was not being paid for the same uh, amount as her partner. Yeah. Um, although that wasn't immediately revealed until a few weeks after the story originally ran. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also had a bit of a bump news oh, um, yeah. about um, the... Uh, Nintendo Switch game Mario Kart. Yeah, Mario uh, Kart 8 Deluxe, 8 Deluxe is now the best-selling Mario Kart game, finally surpassing Mario Kart Wii's record. Um, so it now becomes easily one of the best-selling games of all time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, uh, and then various hardware delays, including mm-hmm. that of Steam Deck. Um, we mentioned Playdate. We didn't even talk about Steam Deck earlier. No. That was a big deal for some people. No, it's not. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> not for us. But yeah, um, earlier in the year, just to clear that up, uh, Valve announced a Steam Deck, which is a handheld um, device that plays Steam games. Um, That's Steam different d- from a mobile device? 
no, different because it plays Steam games. Yep. Um, was a big deal, but it was only they had basically a, a scheme where you had to sign up to get in a tier of release because they couldn't put them all out at once. Well, all of those tiers have been pushed back thanks to global supply chain issues. This also came, went hand in hand with the uh, Playdate, the aforementioned panic device with the crank, also getting delayed. Mm-hmm. So any hardware you're looking forward to this uh, holiday season, it's going to be a little longer to get one. Yep. And then we have the official Wall Street Journal yes, report about, Bo- about Bobby, Kodak. Bobby Kodak. She talked about earlier. Um, yeah, it's only a matter of time until that guy fails. Yep. Um, and then, I mean, like you said, that's just going to be rolled right into yeah. the story of the year there. We're going to, yeah, we're going to have to yep. <laughs> consider it at least. Uh, we also had a story about a former PlayStation Interactive yeah. Entertainment employee. Suing PlayStation for alleging gender discrimination and harassment and a wrongful termination. Again, it's not just Activision Blizzard. It's very easy to be like, well, this company over here is fine, but this company... Because, yeah, it's proved that every one of these stories is coming from these bigger bigger video game companies. Even smaller ones. And so it's everywhere. It's an epidemic. It's not just Activision that we have to consider here. Yep. And then if Sora coming to Kim or coming to uh, Smash Brothers Ultimate was a positive story in my heart, <laughs> Epic Game Fine Harmonic uh, was a negative story on your heart. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Rock Band and most of the stuff that Harmonix does. To see them have another giant corporate overlord is disappointing, especially seeing them roped into making stuff for Fortnite, which is something I will never care about. Um, so yeah, this wasn't a great story, but at least they reassured fans and said that Rock Band 4's DLC future will largely remain what it has been. So, sure, I'll take it until something tells me otherwise. And then we come into December. Yeah, which we just talked about in our last, most recent edition of the Mebee Boat podcast. Yep, um, where end-of-the-year stuff, end-of-the-year games, end-of-the-year awards all came out. Yeah. And we're done. What's it? That's all the news in video games this past year. That was it. Just under an hour. We almost nailed it. Right on the money there. But now we got to make a story of the year. And oh, it's easy. It's easy. <laughs> can, can I at least talk about... We can at least consider their other options. Okay, other options including game stocks. The game stock stuff, I think because it only lasted a few months and didn't actually touch video games... I think it's kind of a hard sell for me. Get it? Yeah, <laughs> hard I, sell? I, I, I think that because it's still an ongoing thing where people yeah. are waiting for it to crash <laughs> or go up forever. Who yeah. knows when? But also, more importantly, it's a finance story. It's not a video game story. Right. It just happened to involve a video game uh, store. A video game company. So, no, it's not It's not really... It doesn't really... It was funny to laugh at for a while, but it's not important going forward. Yep. Uh, we also had Twitch popping up a lot. Twitch had a weird year with the leak and the the hot tub music takedown and, and the hot tub stuff. It does make a pretty solid argument. That being said, I think that the Activision story outdoes it in importance to the video game thing. Uh, I mean, I think the Activision story is the biggest. Constantly, it constant news keeps coming, and it's not done. Yes. I think we're not going to see a resolution to this. And even if we do see Bobby Kotick step down, I don't think that's a resolution either. Because just last week we had a story about the Game Awards. Jeff Keighley had to show, basically come out and make a statement about whether, like their stance on Activision and the awards, saying that they would not be involved beyond the existing nominations. Mm-hmm. So it's like the fact that this is still, and like I said with the PlayStation story, this is not just Activision either. 
this Activision story is big because it also represents the whole of the industry being under fire for this. Mm-hmm. There is a deep sickness here that we need to figure out, that we need to reevaluate. The industry just has a storied reputation that it does not treat women and minorities the same way it does the white boys club. And that has to change. And so getting more of these stories out in the open and having them be such big scale like the Activision story, I think is going to be positive moves toward a revision of what we can, the, the ideal world of everybody being treated right in the video game space. So I think that's why it matters. I think honorable mention for me goes to the Apple and Epic stuff, but because we talked about that a little last, story year, last year, though. it's not super relevant, but it may actually be more relevant going forward uh, as we go forward in future because of the little things, decisions that were made in this case. This could be precedent going forward when another company says, well, I need to sell this on your storefront. Why won't you let, you, let me? When someone yeah. tries to sell something on the Epic storefront and they won't yeah, let them? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's going to come back potentially to to try to try bite them. It'll be interesting to see what the future um, has for that story going forward. But I think as of 2021, looking back to see what made the most impact, this Activision stuff is huge. And it went the entire year. Oh, no, I'm not going to argue that. <laughs> it was constant. I mean, it is a downer of a story, but yeah. it is important of a story. Right. Um, Hopefully something this big, this big of a meteor hitting the industry like this, I hope this is the ch- like this starts some change happening. Mm-hmm. Especially if we can get Bobby Kotick, who has just been a sore mark on the industry ever since he started at Activision. I, if that changes, then maybe we can see actual change going forward for the company and maybe the industry as a whole. So I think that's definitely hands down. That's our story right there. All right. So story of the year yeah, is Activision video games. Blizzard. Yeah, it's Activision Blizzard allocations. allocations. Yes. Oof, boy. Yeah, it's a rough one. Ugh. Why'd that be so rough? But guess what? Now we get to do the fun part. Oh, now we can talk about stuff we actually like. Yeah, we can talk about stuff we don't hate. We like, in fact. <laughs> In fact, you could argue, maybe we loved. Yes, um, we are uh, talking about our game of the year. Yes, our favorite video games of the year. Top five favorite video games of the year. Yep. Um, We will... So, in total, we played 51 different... Or we played and talked about 51 different video games over the course of this year's podcast. That's a lot. That's about once a week. Almost, <laughs> almost. Almost a game per week. I think, yeah, I think that maybe some of these are demos. Some of these are limited weekend free play scenarios. And a lot of these are games that came out in 2020 or before. Right. Some of these are mobile as well. Some of these are yeah. finales as well. <laughs> uh, some of them are DLCs. But for our top fives, I'm restricting them to games that came out in calendar year 2021 Full game releases. Yep. Just, just a full game. If you are new to the Media Boat podcast, that's how we treat it here. Um, but at the end of our top individual top fives, we'll name one game to rule them all in 2021, our Media Boat podcast game of the year. But before that, let's break it down. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? I will start All right, good. with my um, <laughs> top five. Um, before I start, I mean... Real quick, you're going to talk about this one, right? It is definitely on my list, Okay, yes. I'll talk about it there, then. Because <laughs> it's going to barely miss my list. Okay. So, I'm going to start with my top five. From the top, bottom to the top. Starting with number five. Yes. 
is Pokemon. <gasps> what? What's that? Pokemon at number five? But, but you love Pokemon. But Pokemon what? Oh, this is a dual entry for po- <laughs> for the new Pokemon yes. Snap and Pokemon Unite. You can't do that. It's my list. I can do what I want. I know this is really Unite, so keep going. <laughs> really Pokemon Unite, but when we went through the list, I'll like, oh, mention yeah. to Pokemon Snap. I'll mention to Pokemon Snap because, yes. oh yeah, that came out this year. <laughs> it did. I had so much fun playing that in March and April and May. Yeah. And then the summer came out, and Pokemon Unite came out. Yes. And then I immediately shifted all of my attention to that. I was yes. playing that on a daily basis. I was buying up the different Pokemon. I was buying up everything. It was my summer game of my game of the summer. Yeah, for sure. For the Switch, it was because it was on the Switch. I was able to play it without being tied to the TV. Just have uh, baseball on, play a couple games of. Pokemon Unite? Yeah, for sure. And then it came to mobile. And I will mention here, League of Legends Wild Rift, because <laughs> had I not played that... Yeah, it was a good intro. I would, it would, I would not be introduced to Pokemon Unite and that kind of world of yeah. League of Legends style of playing. For sure. MOBAs. So, they, for me, they go hand in hand. It's my list. I'm going to combine them into one Pokemon <laughs> game. It's really for Pokemon Unite because I played a lot of that. I still play a lot of that. If I'm looking for something to play that I haven't touched in a while, I'm going to Pokemon Unite. Most of the time now it's on my mobile phone. Yeah. Because I have other games I'm currently playing on the Switch, which I'll get to. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, Pokemon Unite is such a fun and easy game to get into. Such a fun and easy game to understand. So it's like I don't Baby's need... First MOBA? It is Baby's First MOBA. <laughs> I don't need to understand all your champions. I don't right. understand what they all do. I know a Pokemon. You know move. Pokemon. You know Pokemon moves. I know a Pokemon. So you're moves. half the way there. I'm halfway there. <laughs> I don't need to learn all hundred people that no. I need to like worry about or what they're yeah. going to do. You don't know all the characters in Arcane. <laughs> you're good. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. So Pokemon Unite, but really Pokemon yeah. is my top five. Well, cool. Yeah. Coming in at number four. Number four. Number four. Surprise number four. All right. But game I gushed about here on the podcast, mm-hmm. game I was worried about coming into it. Okay. And overall, a game I had a really fun time playing with, if only for the music <laughs> and the sick beat drops. And that is the Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. game um, by Square Enix. I feel like this year in these lists, I think you're going to hear a lot about surprise of the year when talking about Guardians. Mm-hmm. Because nobody thought a Guardians of the Galaxy game would be good, especially after Marvel's Avengers, Avengers. Yes. just disappointed everyone when so, it came out. Yeah, when Crystal Dynamics came out with Marvel's yeah. Avengers, and it was going to be a constant live action, or live game <laughs> Yeah, service. live game. Yeah, nobody thought it mattered. Yeah. Like, nobody wanted the game to be a live game because the story, single-player stuff, was the highlight. Yep. Here, this is all you get is a single-player experience. Right. And, and there were worries about when yeah. the game was, was announced that, oh, you're only going to play as right. Star-Lord? Star-Lord? You're not going to be able to play as any of the other characters? But what if I want to play as a rock, rock <laughs> or Gamora, Groot, or Drax? What if I want to play as them? Yeah. Well, but you, you could. It was a single-player story game, um, but I think having it being that specific allowed the game to be that good, to be the story that they wanted it to tell. 
Um, it allows you to control when the music drops, when the music hits. And the story that itself, that I've told, focused on the relationship between Peter Quill and um, his relationship with the Kree and may or may not be daughter <laughs> as the story progressed. As well as introduce different characters from the comic books, whether you know them from the comic books or the film, mm -hmm. um, into the universe. So even if what most people will do is come into this from a standpoint of only watching the Guardians films, yeah. you still have a good understanding of what the world is, and it's not like thrown into the deep end of comic book lore, which this could easily have done, yeah, but decided not to. Oh, and did I mention all the licensing that they got for this thing? <laughs> all the licensed music? Oh, every time you hit that mixtape, something new popped on. There were zero repeats. Yeah. And I don't think I ever, like, there, there's such a thing as a repeat on there. It was it's fun. Good. It's it was good. able to play. Understandable. I loved playing this game a lot. Cool. But there are three games I like playing better. Oh. <laughs> All right. So coming in at number three is a shocker on my list. Oh. Because one, <laughs> it's a Nintendo Switch game. Yeah. Two, it's from a franchise that's been around for years, but I've never, never played. played. <laughs> and three, it's a game I only played based off of your recommendation. Yeah. But. It's so damn good that it's still on this list. That it's still on this list. <laughs> it's so damn good. I 100% this thing. Yeah, and when it. I 100% something, you know it's that damn good. Because yes. I want to spend more time in this world. I want to spend more time playing this game. And up being around the bush, the game I'm talking about is Metroid Dread Hell for yeah. the Switch. Hell yeah, it is. Now, I know you're going to be talking about this. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm going to be talking about this. Um, but because when you talked about this, <laughs> you you grew up playing Metroid games. Oh, yeah. You know this universe. I don't. It's all, It was all new to me. Mm -hmm. But you talked about it so much and so glowingly. And yeah. like, okay, I have to play this thing because it's either going to end up like Deathloop where I'm either going to love it <laughs> or I'm going to bounce right off of it. Mm -hmm. And I ended up loving this game. Um, I did have some complaints about... About it, about the um, kind of power scaling and the different like micro yeah. half steps you would take in power ups. Yeah, um, you can listen to the full thoughts about that um, on a previous podcast. But overall, as a complete game, it was fun and challenging, but yeah. challenging just enough to where I was never stuck, except when I did um, look up what to do next because I got lost. <laughs> yes. <laughs> does happen. It does happen, though. It does happen. As Anybody said, who tells you it didn't happen to them, don't listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, guess, guess. It might not happen to you, but it probably will. Yeah. See, so, yeah, I mean, I got lost. I, I yeah. looked it up what to do, but because once I beat the game, I wanted to go back and finish and complete 100% it. Mm -hmm. That tells you how good of a game it is. Yeah. I wanted to be more in that world. So much so I, well, I probably won't start a second game on it, but <laughs> it's a game that's uh, very fun. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Was it Game of the Year? I mean, 
Awards? I mean, that's dominated all over for Game of the Year. Oh, so. I bet will. I mean, we haven't seen a lot of those lists come out, but I'm sure you will see a mm-hmm. lot of Metroid up topping a lot of lists this year. Mm-hmm. It's that good, people. But you somehow, but, out, of, out of some sort of weird thing, you found two games you like more than this, which I just don't understand. I, I can't relate, but uh, what were those two games? Well, the other two games that were above them were both PS5 games. Sure. You um, wanted to show off. What I wanted to show off is <laughs> I got a PS5. They, thank you for the uh, <laughs> hand there. Yeah, no, no problem. I got the assist on that one. <laughs> Yes, uh, but uh, my second game, second game of the year for me was a game I recently played, not necessarily blaming this on recency bias, but it is a world that I want to return as quickly, back to as quickly as possible, in a sequel with more games, I'm like on top of any news coming out of this, and that is Kena, sorry, not Kena, 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 colon, Bridge of Spirits. Sugar Kena. Sugar Kena. (laughs) Um, This was a new game from developer Ember Labs, who's, I mean, not for humble brag, but local to us. (laughs) That's not really bragging, it's just a fact. It's a fact, it's local to us. (laughs) Um, But for a first game to come out of this studio, within the first 10 minutes of just walking around, the attention to detail, the lush village the jungle yeah. everything about this game captured me within that first 10 minutes and when you can do that like i say with the film you need to capture your audience in the first 10 minutes you gotta make them care yeah and this game made me care it made me want to care it made me want to know more it made me want to explore every nook and cranny and look up everything find everything yeah 100 it yeah um i really don't have a bad thing to say about this game good it is that good. I mean, it's number two on my list. It's that good. Yeah. I, I'm trying to find a nitpick. Oh, my only nitpicky thing would be, as I mentioned in my review about it, getting the PlayStation trophies for it. Right. That some of them are tied to combat, and after you beat the game, you, there's no way to continue that combat unless you start a new game. Right. That's the only caveat about that. But that's like trophy hunting at that point where you're yeah. trying to specifically do moves in order to get a specific trophy. Yeah. But as for like the actual gameplay and moving around and platforming, it's a platformer game, like through and through. But it has a feeling that if someone took the best of Naughty Dog platforming and put it into the original, their original spin on a game, mm-hmm. that's what you get. Kena. Yeah. And I want more of this. I want this franchise. I want this IP. Give me more of this. All right. But then there's one that tops them all. Oh, of course. And you know what? You could have told me last year that this would have been your game of the year this year. Because it's your it's your favorite franchise. Yeah. It's one and there's a new game in it. And there's a new game. And on a new console. Yeah. And it's... Um, and it was great. Yeah. Much like Kena, where I said, I want more. Yeah. This is Insomniac giving me that more. Giving yeah. me what I want. Giving me the same... Humor that they've given me for oh, yeah. 20 years at this point. And in a package that shows off the PlayStation 5 five years, so actually. Well. That goes back to Spyro. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. They're, I'm, yeah, old. they're old. I'm old. I'm old. Yeah. I'm old. But here's the wildest part, is that they didn't have to go as hard as they did. They made a game that's a perfect tech demo for the PlayStation 5, showing off every technical thing that it can do. Mm-hmm. 
and also made a Ratchet and Clank game that's better than a lot of the Ratchet and Clank games. They made they outdid themselves, so they didn't even have to make it great, but they did it anyway. Yep. Not only that, but they introduced two new characters <laughs> yeah. as a counterpart to Ratchet and Clank. Yeah. And made you care about them immediately. So, yeah, and made it lovable. You should probably say the name of the game. Oh, yeah. The, the <laughs> Ratchet and Clank, colon, Rift Apart yeah. for the PlayStation 5. It's like Rift Apart. Get it? Ripped Apart? Yes. That, that, that is the joke they're trying to pull there. <laughs> Rift Apart. <laughs> But yeah, no, of course, everyone saw this coming. Yeah. Were, this was going to be your favorite thing. If you didn't know this was going to be my favorite thing, clearly you haven't been listening to all 300 episodes of the Media Boat Podcast. <laughs> and if you haven't, you should. <laughs> if you haven't, you should. It's probably <laughs> you listen to. Um, it's a fun, fun game. Yeah. So much so, I went through it once. I went through it again on New Game Plus. I platinumed it. I went through it even a third time wow. just to try and speedrun it. Wow. Like, real briefly. It's a fun game. It has all the classic things you want from a Ratchet Clank game. All the weapons, all the tech, all the gadgets, all the planets. And I loved that even though it is very, I want to say limited on the planets, the fact that you jumping between two different characters helps further enhance the story. The fact that Ratchet and Clank are not actually Ratchet and Clank for the majority (laughs) of this game. Yeah, that's true. That it's Ratchet slash Clank, yeah. but it's still such a good and interesting story. I want more of it. Plus, it continues the yeah. franchise that is Ratchet and Clank yeah. and that storyline. Yes. Insomniac, give me more. <laughs> I want more of this. Well, I mean... I, yes. Um, there are a few games out, out there that I will pre-order and like want to play immediately. Yeah, Ratchet and Clank is kind of will always be one of those games. Yeah, just like next year's game of the year, God of War will be that game. <laughs> Calling the shot right now. Wait, I thought you said, I thought you said uh, Horizon was next year's game of the year. <laughs> oh, you can't yeah. do both. Yeah, they're both coming out next year. Oh no, <laughs> what am I going to do? We have some decisions to make this year, uh, this time next year. But for now. There you go. There's your top five. Yep, top five is um, Pokemon, Pokemon yep. Unite, yeah. um, Guardians of the Galaxy at four, Metroid Dread at three, Kana, which is Spirits at two, mm. and my game of the year, number one, yes. Ratchet and Clank, colon, Rift Apart. Rift Apart. <laughs> you did it. All right. Well, that means I get to do my next. All right. Now for something completely different. Only one of these games. <laughs> That you mentioned just now is on my list. Ooh. You'll never guess which one. No, you won't. Uh, but I will start at the very, very, very bottom and talk about something that I like to call the fifth spot, which I like to call uh, the spot that I struggled with the most because this could have been a handful of things. Mm-hmm. And I ended up going with one that I played the most out of the three. What I mean is, if we had done this just a week after, maybe this would have been Halo Infinite. If we had done this maybe a couple like weeks ago, and I knew I was a different headspace, this might have been Sable, and I would have finished, played more Sable to fit into this this spot. But since I didn't do either of those things, this is the spot where Boyfriend Dungeon is. Boyfriend Dungeon. Remember Boyfriend Dungeon? Yeah. So I talked about Boyfriend Dungeon um, a little bit, and I played through the whole thing. It is a fascinating game because it is. Hey, what if Hades? was an actual dating game. And it's more or less that. It's a Hades-style roguelike 
Just imagine Hades with a little bit looser controls and not as deep gameplay, and you get the idea. Mm-hmm. But Slapped on Top is an actual dating game, and you're dating your weapons. Um... <laughs> uh, it's an interesting game. I think it does well with both of those things. Neither feels like the weak spot. It's just fun enough, and the gameplay of the dungeons is just fun enough where you never feel like it's keeping you away from the story. And vice versa. The story is light enough and kind of fun uh, that it doesn't detract from the, the, the... Like, it doesn't overstay its welcome where you're not playing enough of the game. It's pretty well balanced. And the story is interesting. I think the characters are well written. Um, depending on who you end up pursuing, it can go all sorts of different ways, the story can. Some people pointed out maybe some like weirdness going on with the villain of the story and whether how comfortable you are with narratives about stalking and light, light, light harassment. So if you're a little wary about that, just know that that exists in this game. But that being said, I thought it was a pretty realistic version of that story and it reminded me a lot of things that I've heard of actually happening to my friends in real life. So it's nice. It's a nice balance of things. I think the art is also very good. And yeah, I had a good time with it while it lasted. There's uh, some uh, replayability there if you want to play and try to pursue different characters as well. And you can pursue as many characters as as, uh, once if you want, if that's the life you want to live. And it doesn't change the narrative if you choose to do that. So yeah, it's a good time. I had a good time with it. Just think of it as Diet Hades. Like, if you're done with Hades, you've played Hades to death, and you want to play something like that with a little bit more romance. You mean Media Vote Game of the Year Yeah, Hades. Media Vote Game of the Year Hades. <laughs> so if you come after that and want to and want to have, like, more storylines involving an actual dating thing with your characters, if you really wanted to date uh, Dionysus, well, then now you can. Okay. <laughs> it's a neat game, but it's, it's a number five game. Okay, but what's your number four game? Moving up the ladder here is something I played very recently... And something that reflected my real life for a little bit, which is Unpacking. So Unpacking, cute little game in the same way that Boyfriend Dungeon is a smaller kind of stakes indie experience. But it's just like Boyfriend Dungeon, available on Game Pass for if you're an Xbox or a PC Game Pass owner. And um, it's a good time. Um, It's in the, the recent trend of simulation game, I guess, if you will, like your power wash simulators, your... Um, your house, house, uh, reno- what was that game called? House Renovator? No, it's, um, House Flipper. House, house Flipper. Flipper. It's like that, except this time you're, uh, unpacking, uh, boxes into a new house or several houses as, or apartments or living situations as you, your character, who by the way has no dialogue and you never see them until the end of the game, goes through different steps in their life. And, it manages to tell a story about this character without anybody saying anything, just by you physically opening boxes by clicking and moving their stuff where it belongs. Like stuffed animals go on the bed. A cut knife and cutting board goes onto the counter. That kind of thing. You're literally doing as you would in real life, unpacking these boxes, putting these things where they go. But the game comes into play in the what it's not what's communicating to you by the gameplay itself. It's one of the best examples I've ever seen of visual storytelling and interactivity. Because difference as you kind of get older, as the years kind of go on, different things are happening in your life and you can see it visually. For example, oh, you're in college now and then now you're living with roommates for the first time. 
So you have to share your space with other people. So you actually have to keep in mind, oh, I don't have the entire closet to hang up my shit now. I have to make sure that I see where their stuff is. And, oh, you can't move their stuff. <laughs> but then a couple la- levels later, you can move their stuff all of a sudden. There's one really, really interesting moment where, like, you're moving in with what appears to be a partner. Like, you're sharing a bed. Their stuff is with yours. It seems like there's more kind of malleability, more shared space. Like, you're, both of your shampoos are in the shower. And then a level later, you're moving back to your childhood home. So without dialogue, without any sort of information given to you, you know that something has changed in this person's life for that part of their life to be upended and then end up back at home in a space that you've already put with now more mature things. You're clearly older, but you're moving into your childhood bedroom. And there's little things that it does like that that tells way more story than dialogue ever could. And it's so well done. It's the show, not tell. Exactly. It's, it's what every screenwriting teacher would tell you. But in a video game, it's done so, so well. And it's got the cutest ending once you wrap up everything. It wraps up in a very comfortable way, and you're very happy for what's happened to this character that you're playing as, even if you've only gotten little bits and pieces of their story as you've played the game. I will have to say, if the process of unpacking the same shit over and over again seems like that would annoy you, well, it probably would, and maybe this game's not for you. So just as long as you're going in expecting a lot of this to be repetitive gameplay, let the actual gameplay being kind of the same thing over and over again, then I think you'll have a good time with it. But, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Real quick, is this on your list? No. Okay, so what makes unpacking <laughs> better than Power Wash Simulator? Uh, okay, so Power Wash Simulator... you gushed about Power Wash Simulator, too. I mean, that's... As, as well as, like you said, um, was it Flippable? Home Flipper. Home Flipper. House Flipper, which was one of my favorite games a couple of years yeah. ago. Um, but the thing about Power Wash Simulator is, one, it's not an official release yet. This is a, um, this is a, uh, what do you call it? When Beta? It's, not there's a term for it soft launch but yeah more or less it's in um, early access access. it's in early access which means that it's not done and you can kind of tell that it's not done Mm -hmm. because it's kind of a flimsy game there's not a whole lot there you're power washing and that's pretty much it so that's where I think unpacking does better because it's telling an actual like narrative there and I think that's what makes this game not the actual process of unpacking you kind of can make your own fun with the unpacking though you can be as organized or as disorganized as you want and only occasionally will the game be like, actually, this goes here. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the flexibility and uh, story that Unpacking is telling makes it easily one of my favorite of those simulator games. Okay. And moving up to number three. Let me just refresh myself because I, I think yeah, that I know where yeah, I'm going. So I, I know what two of these are, but I'm missing one. So what is your number three? Well, my number three is... Mobile game of the year for me. This is where I've landed on World Flipper. Okay, so now I don't. I don't want your top two. I don't know what the other one is. Okay, well maybe I do. Maybe I don't. So World so, Flipper. World Flipper. Um, side note: This is technically also my mobile game of the year. Yeah, I keep playing it. Honorable mention number six there. Yeah, sure. That makes sense. And I don't blame you for... Speaking of, let me uh, play play my dailies right now. Yeah, do that. (laughs) So yeah, I I don't blame anyone for maybe putting this on the back burner because it burned really hot for the first couple weeks and it was all that I wanted to talk about, all I wanted to play. And yeah, it has sort of taken a backseat as other games have come out as more things in my life have come in because it's very demanding of your time, it turns out. It is a gotcha game and as we've talked about on this podcast, buyer beware about that if you're somebody who falls into these addictive... 
uh, traps of try of wanting to pay your way into better and better stuff. This part game is probably not for you. It could make things difficult on your wallet. That being said, it's one of the better versions of those because unlike Genshin Impact, it doesn't feel like it's ever gating off things that you want to do. It seems like you get so many stamina potions just by playing the game normally that you're never really in want to purchase um, more stamina for the game. So you can kind of play it or as long as you want. And then as for the characters, you get beads, the currency, in-game currency, fast enough and a fast enough clip by just doing the campaign that you never really find yourself in want of buying characters with real money either. Or at least I didn't personally. But if you're somebody who gets falls prey to those kind of things, you might not. that might not be the case for you. That being said, as a gacha game, I enjoyed this a hell of a lot more than Genshin Impact. And Genshin Impact was on this list yes, last year. I ended up completely uninstalling and bailing on Genshin Impact in favor of World Fluffer. And there are a couple of reasons why. One, the art is beautiful in this thing. The, the pixel art looks great. I think all the character designs are fun and inventive. Every new character that I was unlocking, I was like, oh, that's cute, that's a cute thing they've done. Um, not, and then kind of hand in hand with that, the writing's actually pretty good here. I liked the story, a lot of the stories that were being told in the campaign. I like the individual little character vignettes that you get when you unlock their story bits. I think that they've created a very interesting world here. Uh, and that made me, that added to the pile of reasons why I wanted to play more of it. But the number one reason why this is here is because unlike Genshin Impact, which I was only kind of like, okay about the gameplay, the moment-to-moment gameplay, I actually really enjoy playing World Flipper, which is really funny because you've gotten to the point where now you're automated and everything. Yeah, but I actually... I also like playing an automated yeah. version. <laughs> but I got to the point where I only autoed once and I hated it because I was like watching the audio person, auto person play and I was like... I'm better than that. Oh, yeah, no, the auto, the auto <laughs> sucks. But because of where I'm at, where I'm so over-leveled yeah. with everything... You can just auto I can through. just auto it and just... But I've had enough it. time fun uh, having fun enough fun with the actual gameplay here that I don't want to... I don't feel an urge to auto because I like playing it. Is it perfect? No. As a pinball game, it's kind of lackluster. If you're expecting a lot of pinball bells and whistles, no pin, pun intended, you're not going to get that here. It's a very simple kind of pinball game. But what's there, I think, is interesting enough for me. And it's a good game to play while you're playing, listen to a podcast or watching TV or something. It's very low impact um, gameplay wise. And it's fun to, it's a fun little thing to have in your pocket. So I've had a lot of fun. I like the world. I like the characters. I like the new events they've been doing. They've been doing events in such regular clip that there's always something to come back and do if you haven't played in a while. So, yeah, I think World Flipper is good. I'm not of the mind that it was something that was good for a month and then died. I am still playing it off and on every once in a while and probably will continue to return to it as long as they keep updating it. I really like it. Yeah, as long as they keep um, refreshing the different events. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so far they've been good. All right, so your number two game. Yes, moving up to number two. This is also kind of just like unpacking kind of a late edition Something that came out earlier in the year that I didn't get to play. Yes. Uh, didn't get to play for a very long time. I finally played it, and man, did it just rock my socks for that week there. And I'm talking about Life is Strange, colon, True Colors. So I forgot this game was on the list. So yeah, a lot of people forgot about this game because it came out earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. It came out all at once, as opposed to the usual way Life is Strange games come out over a period of months. And, um, yeah, it was um, quite a surprise to me how much I enjoyed this. 
We, of course, played the original Life is Strange more or less together when that came out. Mm -hmm. Then I played Before the Storm shortly after that as like the little prequel experience. I did not play Life is Strange 2, uh, but I understand it's a pretty good version of that. But I was a little disappointed when they announced that it wouldn't take place in the same universe as the original two games. Here, with True Colors, it is yet another game that's not in the original universe. But its hook was very interesting to me about having empathy powers and being able to see people's emotions. Immediately you tell me that's the hook in your game and I'm going to be interested. And sure enough, that is the case here. But man, did I underestimate how much that they would go into that, delve into that theme in Life is Strange True Colors. I think it's one of the better uh, versions of this kind of interactive game I've played. I think I liked it just as much, maybe a little better than the original Life is Strange. Characters aren't as memorable, but they make up for that with just the places and the big swings the story takes. The fifth episode of this thing, I'm trying, I will not spoil it, but it is fascinating the way that they deconstruct the themes and try to basically have a more symbolic take on what you've expected this story to wrap up. And it goes some places, just like the first games could surprise you with some of the twists and how deep and adult some of these twists were going to be. This game does that too. And from the get-go, from the end of episode one, it tosses you into this thing and like, yeah, stuff like this can happen. Anything can happen to any of these characters. Don't get too invested in anyone. <laughs> it sets the stakes right away and it makes for a really, really well, uh, well done uh, storytelling experience. Not to say it's all dour and sad. There are moments of pure joy here, which of course also ties into the theme of the game and about being different kinds of emotions, extremes of emotions. And when it wants to have fun, it has fun. This is a minor spoiler, but one of the episodes has a very lengthy RPG segment that you're straight up doing RPG combat in a Life is Strange game. <laughs> it's great, and it comes out of nowhere, and you don't necessarily expect it's going to happen. And the fact that it follows such wild story stuff means that this game can can give you both the real emotional, like, like sad uh, story beats and also be really fun and enjoyable at the same time. Some may say that it has a little bit of tonal whiplash to bring back tonal whiplash from earlier in the podcast, yeah. and maybe that will throw people off. I saw some of the professional reviews point this out and feel like it doesn't, because it doesn't commit to one tone, that the theme a little, makes it a little harder to read. I personally don't feel like that at the end of it. I feel like by the end of it, it does enough serious storytelling where I feel like it ends up landing more even than um, than maybe they thought it did. And um, yeah, I just had a really fun time being in that world. And it did remind me of the way that I kind of fell in love with the world of that first Life is Strange. So I think that anybody who was a fan of that first game and fans of the other games in the series, I think this is another great installment. And I'm just happy that Life is Strange continues to be good continues to be really strong in both the storytelling and its gameplay. So, this is from Don't Nod, right? So no, this is not a Don't Nod joint. This is Deck Nine, okay. which is the studio that it did Before the Storm, mm -hmm. doing uh, their first proper Life is Strange game. Don't Nod actually has started branching out of Life is Strange because, fun fact, Square Enix actually owns the IP. They don't. So Don't Nod has been doing other things and basically have wiped their hands of Life is Strange, letting Square basically call the shots on that franchise okay. which means that going forward if you see something like the strange it'll probably be companies like deck nine and it won't be don't not anymore okay. but they have definitely taken the torch and they're moving forward and doing really interesting like i said big swings with this franchise still 
And I'm happy for it. I think they're doing a good job. All right. But not good enough. But because... Because you have a number one game. I do. And if I didn't spoil it, <laughs> you might as well say it. Oh, well, yeah. This is obvious. You talked about it at length, so I won't be as long with this one. But yes, my number one game of the year is easily Metroid Dread. I was so excited for this when they announced it at E3. I love the Metroid games. I've played Metroid games since the uh, day that Metroid Fusion and Metroid Prime came out on the same day back in 2002. Um, I bought both of them and played both of them. And enjoy both of them. They're just both of my, some of my favorite games of all time. And it gave me a lifelong love of the Metroid series. And yeah, this is a great Metroid game. It's not only a great Switch game, but it's a great Metroid game. I think the things that they do to balance out the gameplay between exploration and linear storytelling is a really good balance between the two. You never feel like it's holding to your hand too much, but you also rarely get as lost as you could be, especially as you do in games like Super Metroid. It's just linear enough that it keeps you on that beaten path, except for one point, which I feel like a lot of people get lost at, that I got lost at as well. Mm -hmm. Other than that, though, it's a pretty easy game to more or less see where you're going to go because of the way that it's designed. It's just designed so impeccably. Also, it's the best feeling Metroid game. The controls feel great here. I played it on a Pro Controller docked the entire game, but I also understand that a lot of people only played this handheld because it's so designed for handheld screens. Um, but I didn't have a problem with how it looked. Uh, I really enjoyed playing this on a pro controller. It felt, feels great, whether you're running and shine sparking or whether you're uh, screw attacking or whether you're learning the patterns of a, a boss. It all feels good. And I never felt myself wrestling with the controls, which is good, which is the sign of like a well-controlling well game. Um, yeah, I just thought every beat of this game is just so much fun. And as you mentioned, it's a good balance of difficulty and reward for your efforts. It's hard. And the first time, first few times you try to beat a boss, you will die. You will die several times. It will kick your butt until you basically learn the patterns it wants you to memorize. Mm -hmm. But then once you do, you feel like a god. Which also, the game does a lot to try to prove that Samus is this badass, like, warrior. With all the cutscenes that you can just just fire a billion missiles into a monster's <laughs> mouth and just feels so good to the parts where she's just like, all right, you're done, just tosses somebody into the lava. It's just great. It's so cool. It makes Samus look even cooler than you already thought she was, and she's already pretty cool. The ending is just bonkers off the wall, like some of the coolest shit I've ever done at the end of a game. Like, it's just, it's great. And, and also it has real story implications for the Metroid series going forward, which... Again, if you're new to the franchise, didn't mean a lot to you. Right. But if you if you played Metroid Fusion, which is imp very important for the context of this game and the other Metroid games, you're like, oh, that's cool how we've gone full circle in a way by the time that this game wraps up. It's really, really cool. I can't believe that's as good as it is. They've managed to make a Metroid game in 2021 that is easily one of the best Metroid games of all time. Especially I, on a franchise that everyone yeah. thought was dormant, they wouldn't right. do anything again with it. And the fact that it's being as successful as it is and it's selling as well as it is means that it's not going to be the end. We're going to see more Metroid with Prime 4 being still in the works and maybe another one of these. I would love to see another game like just like this. It was such a good experience and I don't know the last time I 100%ed anything. So that's saying that should sell it on sell it for you right there. Is if I played every inch of this game then that says that it was a really, really good game. 
All right. So before we, I don't say debate. <laughs> it's not going to be a, a debate. I think, think we know. We need to go through honorable mentions of what we played. We do. We do. Yeah. Um, including, but not limited to, <laughs> Concrete Genie. Uh, yeah. PS Plus. You like that, all right? I like that. That was a fun game to play. Um, it was a lot of exploration, a lot of very unique concept of drawing on stuff. I, I liked that idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Yeah. Technically, it came out last year, which is why it's right. not a bit, uh, eligible for this year's list. But having played it, I think it definitely would have made my oh, yeah. list last year. I'm shocked when it didn't, honestly. Well, because I, I didn't play it until we get to it. I want to uh, shout out Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. I didn't mm-hmm. include it in my list because it's technically a re-release. But the Bowser's Fury part was new. And that's really cool. If you're a Switch owner, if you like Mario platformers, it's a really cool experiment in small open world gameplay for Mario. <laughs> and may just hint at the future of the franchise. But yeah, I didn't play a whole lot of it. And also, since it's attached to a re-release, I didn't consider it for my list. Yeah, um, also... Technically not considered because it's <laughs> you'll get it with every PS5 whenever you get it. <laughs> yeah, Astrobot's Playroom. Yeah, technically also a 2020 release, but yeah, um, that game's great. That, yes, we as both your, played that in calendar year 2021. It's it's just wonderful. Yeah, as your first game that comes pre-installed on a PlayStation Five. Yeah, it's a fun game. It's, it's so especially like for someone for me who grew up playing all Sony consoles. Yeah. It's a fun walk down memory oh, lane. It's a okay. fun look into a PlayStation system as well. As yeah. well as like all the different controllers and accessories and yeah. generations and versions. It's so of, cool. It's a literal love letter to PlayStation. Yeah. I just want to shout out MLB The Show 21, which is my sixth place. <laughs> it didn't quite make my list. I played a hell of a lot of that game, and I will continue playing it because it might be the only baseball I get for a while. <laughs> so uh, yeah, MLB the Show. It's about the same as it was last year, at least gameplay wise. But it's just fun enough that I yeah, I, it's still one of my favorites of the year. Yep. Um, shout out for me to Mario Golf Super Rush golf game on the Nintendo. Yeah, liked it, loved it. Uh, I only gripe about it is the some of the courses aren't built out like actual golf courses yeah. they're more for like the battling arena where you're cross crossing everywhere yeah so it's not technically true golf which is why it kind of lets a sour taste in my mouth right right um, uh just want to shout out fantasy star online 2 new genesis that was from that one week that i thought i had time for an mmo <laughs> <laughs> turns out i did it and i dropped way off of that thing i ended up having to uninstall it yep um, a game that just missed my list because it's not one game. It's like six games all rolled up into one. Right. Jackbox 8. Um, as the trend goes, every other Jackbox is a good yep. Jackbox. This year was the this good one. This year the good one. Oh, um, I really, really love playing Job Job and <laughs> um, the mountain, uh, the wheel of infinite knowledge. <laughs> I love those games as yeah. well as Pole Mind uh, working together. Uh, yeah, so if you're looking to pick up a new Jackbox game that you haven't played in a while, yeah. pick up Jackbox 8. That sounds good. You know, the Jackbox games are the only reason in the world I've ever want to live with more than just one other person. Right. Because I never get to play them because it's only just me or one other person. And so someday I will play more Jackbox. Some, know, it's a good party game. Like yeah. I have a community that I play with on Twitch like once That's a week. That's fine. That's fine. That we just play Jackbox games uh, uh, like after work. I'm like, hey. I need to get 
into that. I need to do that. Small too. small community shout out there. Yeah, that sounds like a fun time. Yep. Um, and lastly, um, in terms of shouting out yeah. stuff. We should probably mention Returnal and Deathloop. Returnal Games Deathloop. that we both were hot on and then dropped off on in subsequent order. Um, yeah, I feel like in another universe maybe I would have de- dedicated more time to both of those, but they're games that both demand a lot from you. Speaking of games that demand a lot of time for you, <laughs> but a game that I like play the demo of at yeah. least, or at least the open beta for it. Writer's Republic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like playing it. There's just so much in that game to do. I do not have yeah. the time to do everything in that game. Oh, yeah. And the honorary 2021 game that will mo- mostly be a 2022 game award goes to Halo Infinite. The single player campaign comes out this week, which As means we that recording. it didn't make the cutoff. So by Academy rules, that means it's it's uh, going to be ineligible for this year and next year. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, well. I mean, we have the same thing happen with, like, Marvel's Avengers and uh, yeah. Assassin's Creed as well. But what I will say is, unlike those games, this one will probably be very good. So I'm always sad that we won't be able to consider it. But looking forward to playing some Halo this week. Uh, all right. Any other uh, um, special nominations? I mentioned uh, Power Wash Simulator. I played a little bit. I mentioned Sable. I wish I had played more. Um, and Psychonauts 2. I wish I had also played more of that. All right. Um, and lastly, uh, and we talked about it when um, Sora got added, but yeah. the finale of Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Yeah, technically a 2018 technically, game. But yeah, yeah, technically a 2018 game, but <laughs> completed in 2021. Right, right. So there you go. Alright. So not That's, all the honorable mentions are out of the way. It's video games. We need, all right, we need to discuss the game of the year. I don't think we need to discuss it. It's not discussed. So I just think crowd. it's the one that appears on both of our lists that we both really liked. The one that we both 100%ed? Yeah. Which is Metroid Dread. I think right. there's not so an argument gonna, here. We're going to crown Metroid Dread. I think Ratchet and Clank is an honorable mention here. I also played some Ratchet, but not as mm-hmm. much as you did. Yes. Um, and I think that, yeah, I think for me, it makes sense for Metroid. You were convinced so much that you picked it up and liked it. You convinced me so much that I should play this because, like, I, like, when Ratchet Clay came out and I played on on your system, like, yeah, 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 this is exactly what I want. And, like, (laughs) I got further than you in, like, the two hours I played. Uh huh. And, like, went back home and. We just play video games differently. Do the same on, on was Metroid. Metroid Dread. So yeah, no, I think it's easy to crown Metroid Dread as the Media Both Podcast Game of the Year for 2021. Well deserved. Do we need to gush about it anymore? No, I think we've done our piece. No? All right, let's wrap this up. Thank you for listening to Video Games End yes. of the Year list. Congratulations to Metroid Dread yes. for being our video of the year. Yes. And not quite so congratulations You're right. to Activision Blizzard for being our story. It's of the more year. like the Get Your Shit Together award there. So, yes, thank you for joining us. That is one-fourth of, uh, or fifth, I guess, of the Media Boat Podcast wrap-up specials for 2021. Join us on your podcast feeds for the rest of it, where we still will we break down for movies, television, video, and uh, music, as well as our final podcast where we wrap up the year for good. And, hey, if those are available, you can listen to them right now. Yep. If you're Thank you for listening to us. Um, yep. Listen to all of our podcasting episodes on mm-hmm. all your podcasting mm-hmm. feed for normal episodes. Yep. If you want to listen to any of these, um, listen to these the day they came out, thank you. Yeah. Um, and your lists continue yeah. with our upcoming list. Um, look forward to it. Forward or to it. or if you're right now. If it's just in the future yeah. and it's available right now. Go for it. All right. Yeah, see you next bye. time. Bye.